Hello and welcome to Brookwood Church Ministries Podcast. My name is Tom Kingsley and I am one of the leaders of the men's ministry here at Brookwood Church. The message you are about to hear was given by Tim Steele on the subject of youth sports and using it to make an impact on children by sharing the gospel. It was recorded at the Men's Connecting Point at Brookwood Church. We pray this message allows you to grow closer to Christ. so much for having us. Um, Brooke Wood was uh, gracious enough to let us come and do this tonight. We appreciate it. Um, I do hope since there are more girls in middle and high school athletics now than there are boys, we'd get the opportunity to present this to the girls, to the women here at Brookwood as well. Um, objectives for the night. Um, I guess uh, I have a number of things on my heart about it. Uh, I'm going to speak to some of it toward the end. But what we have is a tremendous fertile ground out here, a way to get to 80% of these kids who are in athletes, who are athletics, in athletics at these schools. Many of those have no other opportunity to hear about Christ and how he can be involved in their life. So this is a great influence. I see it as a recruiting ground. You can't take them deep into their salvation in a 15-minute meeting after football practice but if you could get them to come to the youth group here at Brookwood or at any of the other churches, that's where they get an opportunity to grow. So with nothing else to be said by me, let me turn it over to Tim Steele. Tim is the multi-area director um, and started out as a volunteer and has got a great testimony with his involvement and what he's done. And he's going to share with you the growth of FCA around the country. I will tell you that I learned this in Charlotte. We had a little training seminar a few months ago that uh, FCA in over the past 10 years has now grown into 62 countries around the world. With that, Tim Steele. How y'all doing tonight? So, so not to scare you off at all, but about 15 years ago, I was sitting in your seat with a comfortable engineering job and an engineering degree and my future mapped out in front of me and I was just content to volunteer with FCA when I could. And that'll be part of the story. So just want to plant that seed. Some of you guys are going to get a nudge from the Holy Spirit later on and if not from him, from Roger. Uh, so uh, anyway, the theme up here, every year FCA has a theme. We theme one, uh, one passage of scripture that we focus our ministry year around. Uh, one of the odd things that happened about four years ago was our themes went from slogans to one word. It had nothing to do with the book, one word. It had everything to do with being in 62 countries. We found that it was much easier to translate one word to put on a shirt in Saudi Arabia or Israel or China than it was to try to uh, translate a slogan because I can tell you I grew up here and I can't even go to other parts of the country and, and understand, nor can they understand me. So um, this is my family. Uh, like I say, my wife and I both grew up here. Um, my, my children both went to Malden High School. My wife and I went to Eastside High School. Uh, this is what we look like when we're normal, and this is what we really are. Okay, so I know I polarized the group right off the bat. Uh, just so you know, we are still working on converting the rest of the state. Um, there is hope and salvation, right? So... So we'll do that. But anyway, um, so, so quickly, a little bit about me. Um, I said I was there. Men's ministry was on my heart some 25 years ago. Uh, you guys probably may, some of you that are 
experienced in life like I am, remember Man in the Mirror or this thing called Promise Keepers. Um, I was born in 1960 in Arlington Heights, Illinois. Both my parents are from the Charlotte, North Carolina area. My dad's from Rock Hill, which is now part of Charlotte. It's been annexed, I think. Um, Imagine playing Little League Baseball in Walterboro, South Carolina, and showing them a birth certificate with an Illinois hospital on it. I was the Yankee on the team um, at nine years old, so I I had that. But I was born 1960. We moved to Greenville. My dad got out of the Army. Uh, I did my entire schooling here, went to Clemson, graduated, but I was reborn on March the 10th, 1991. Now, I was in church every single day. One of the rules in our household was, to this day, if you spend the night in my dad's, under my dad's roof on Saturday, you went to church on Sunday morning. So I was a really steady churchgoer until I went off to college, at which point I rejected everything because I didn't have to get up on Sunday, and usually I didn't go to bed till Sunday morning. Um, so anyway, but as, as we look at that, um, a little bit more, you know, my wife, Rena, we've been married. We just celebrated our 35th anniversary, so don't cheer for me. If you see her, give her a Medal of Honor because uh, she deserves it. I, I, I laugh when I tell people um, we've been married this long because I told her a long time ago that if she ever left me, I was going with her. Um, and that seems to have worked out so far. So, but anyway, March the 10th, 1991, at Simpsonville United Methodist Church, for me, the scales fell off my eyes, and I realized this guy, Jesus, was real. He wasn't a historical figure. And it was time for me to, to, to decide for myself whether I had faith in him, was going to try to choose to follow him, not just go to church. Because you see, my wife and I had both grown up in the Methodist church. We, you know, we have a minimal amount of, part of the reason we've been married 35 years is we both went to Clemson. We both grew up Methodist. So there, you know, that minimizes half the controversial decisions right off the bat. So we're there, and we decided we, had, we needed to get our children back in church because I was already Christian. Thankfully, the Lord used our children to get us back to church where I realized that maybe I wasn't. And I certainly wasn't following Christ every day. And it was through church that I found purpose. It started with Promise Keepers. And you guys participated in Promise Keepers back in the day? It hooked me when I saw a a 10-second video clip of 40,000 men doing church in a football stadium in the rain. There's nothing more macho than that, right? So that that was my thing. I went to the Georgia Dome, uh, 1995, I think it was. The opening invocation, lightning struck the Georgia Dome. Like, man, boy, and I saw a bunch of fanatical guys worshiping in ways I had never seen before because in the church I grew up in, you just kind of sat there on your hands and you tried to not go to sleep before the, the pastor was done. By the end of the day, I went from being in a crowd of 60,000 to where it was me and the Lord, and I felt them tall, talking to me. It wasn't too much later I got involved with church league basketball. Uh, basketball was my passion. I would show you a picture of me playing basketball. I played basketball at Eastside High School. Uh, I aspired to play for John Wooden at UCLA. Anybody a John Wooden fan? You know, only guy, you got just married to another. He's in, the, he's in the College Hall of Fame as a coach. He's also there as a player. People are surprised to hear that sometimes. So I adopted John Wooden's pyramid of success to use with young men because basketball was what I knew. I did that for several years, and through Promise Keepers, I got connected with FCA and began to use the FCA Bible to do a devotion before church league basketball practice. Now, fancy that, church league basketball, they didn't require that you did that, but somehow I knew that that was something that I had missed growing up, the connection between sports and life and faith. Because for me, there was church on Sunday morning, and then there was life the rest other six and a half days of the week. And I already, like I told you, I already had this Christian thing down pat. My parents had done it for me. So I'm coaching church league basketball 
And the time rolls on, and about 2003, 15 years ago, FCA put the first staff person in Greenville, South Carolina. We had had somebody in the upstate. He lived in Gaffney, and he got Clemson FCA started. If you've not heard of Clemson FCA, uh, 1,500 students a week attend FCA at, at Clemson. Uh, on top of the athletic department, but that's just the, they're the student body. So he started a great ministry over there, but I could never drag him down to come to Greenville. When we finally got a staff person, I got connected because my daughter, who was in the picture at the time, was in middle school, and I was trying to get FCA going at her middle school. Well, that wasn't successful, but it was at Malden High School. But in the meantime, this staff person said, well, what do you want to do? I said, I love basketball. He said, well, I got a coach that I want, I want you to go see. So our area director at the time for FCA hooked me up with a, a guy named Reggie Choplin, who worships here. And uh, remember, my kids go to Malden. Reggie is the head coach, the brand-new head coach at Hillcrest High School. Our guy's got a sense of humor, right? It doesn't stop there. You know, I went to Clemson. Reggie did his graduate work at the University of South Carolina. Um, well, it gets better. About four years ago, Reggie left Hillcrest and went to Wade Hampton. Remember where I went to high school? Eastside. I said, Reggie, good thing in heaven we're on the same side because up until then, we can't really, we can't really talk fan stuff, right? It's got to be, I pull for you, you pull for me, but this team stuff is different. But I got connected with Reggie and had the opportunity during the fourth block every day to come in and talk about character virtues. And we ended every session. Remember, I had 30, 30 high school juniors and seniors playing basketball, the boys and the girls varsity teams, taking a class, and I had 15 minutes once a week at the end of the day to talk about perseverance and loyalty. And at the end, I would say, and I'm a Christian, therefore I believe it's true because the Bible says this. And I would have one of the kids that was in FCA to pray. And that's how we ended it. I still have a handful of those kids that I keep up with today. They introduced me as their, as their chaplain. It was never such a thing. But that's how I got started with FCA. A couple of years later, I was invited to be on the board, the leadership board, which is where Roger is now. And I, you better watch out because you're a step further than they are, all right? And I was on the leadership board for several years. See, because what I found out was God had given me from the very beginning this passion for sports. But, but when I was in high school, my identity was wrapped up in being an athlete. I went to Clemson, and I knew I wasn't good enough to play basketball in the ACC, but I found out they didn't cut on the tennis team because that was my other sport. So I played tennis in college for two years simply because they wouldn't cut you if you could stay in the running. Now, I'm 60 pounds heavier tonight than I was then, so running was never an issue, right? In fact, I was going to say, I was going to show you a picture of my, it was in the high school yearbook of me playing basketball. It was the one picture, the one shot I think I made, Memorial Auditorium, um, but it was from the side, so you can barely see me. You know, it was, um, that, that's what they used to tell me that in practice. That's, they told me that's how I got open. I turned sideways. Um, so, so you had this thing, you know, God had put this passion for basketball in my heart to the point where even when I was going to tennis practice in college, because I had this desire to be identified as an athlete, I was playing pickup basketball games before I went to practice. So basketball was always there. And as I look back, the Lord used that passion for basketball and the vehicle of FCA to marry those two passions together to give me purpose. And I tell people today, if I'm not on staff with FCA tomorrow, I'll be doing the same thing because it's what God has designed for me to be doing. So to fast forward, I went from, from being a volunteer with one team to being a board member, and we're trying to send coaches to coaches camp. Now, FCA has two primary places in the Carolinas for camps. 
Black Mountain, North Carolina, up near Billy Graham's home place, and St. Simon's Island, Georgia. So I'm, going, I'm talking to my wife about going to coaches camp, but my wife never competed in anything. You know, she, I tried to teach her to play tennis when we first got married, and she didn't like it because you had to chase the ball, and you had to sweat a little bit, right? So she didn't, she'll work in the yard all day, but she didn't, she didn't care for competition. So she said, coaches camp, she said, I'm not interested in coaches camp, but we'll go down there, you go to camp, do the coach thing, and I'll go to the beach all week. Sounded good. And not to mention, her father, her estranged father, lived on St. Simon's Island. He had retired down there, so it was an opportunity to visit. We had started to begin, uh, rekindle a relationship with them at that point in time. We get down there, and we find out that coaches camp is a marriage retreat because FCA's desire is not to teach coaches how to coach their sport. It's to coach them in their life, right? Because imagine for a second of the 70 million athletes that we have in estimated in the world, and they all have a coach, if every coach knew Jesus and coached that way. Now, I can speak for myself. Some of us know Jesus and still don't coach that way. But, but think about the difference in the atmosphere around athletics today if coaches who have the, a tremendous amount of influence were coaching for Christ. And we find that to be especially true overseas. And we'll get to in a minute how we're organized, but but we are, with FCA, have tremendous opportunities, even in closed countries, because sports is as much of an epidemic in the rest of the world as it is in our country, right? Country, and, and if you're from the United States, you have instant credibility. So you fast forward, and, and I am now on the leadership board, right? My, my wife is sold. Our kids go to leadership camp. We go to the beach, come home. The kids are singing songs the whole way back. It was a wonderful week. We get back, and I'm, I'm hooked, right? The, now FCA has become a family experience. I'm still comfortable. I still have a, a cushy engineering job. I'm traveling, and the time I have left over, God has placed me in this place where I can do just enough to feel like I'm really serving him well. So time goes on, and five years ago, I'm serving as the, as the chairperson for the leadership board in Greenville County. We still have one staff person, different staff person now, a young guy who played football at Furman, and we're talking. I said, we really need to plant somebody on the campus at Furman University and try to get them back to their Baptist roots. And he says, hmm. Two weeks later, he calls me. He said, can you meet me for breakfast? I said, yeah. He said, I think I'm that guy. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you've already done that. You got promoted. He said, no, the Lord's calling me to go do college ministry, and I'm going to do it somewhere. I hope it's at Furman. So I agreed five years ago to be the area director on a part-time interim basis. Man, the Lord's got a sense of humor, doesn't he? I was making $50 a month because I had, I had to have some kind of salary to get an FCA email address and get official business so I could supervise this one guy that was making all the money. I'm still fitting it into the, the margins, right? It's not first. It's, it's kind of out there. I, I still got my cake and I'm eating it. So life is really, really good. But that was the, se- the beginning of my season of discontent. Now, to, to back up, I had been in engineering for 30-plus years, about 30 years at the time, Totally happy with everything that had happened. Had the job, if I could have written a job description, that's the job that I had, doing project management type things, not having to sit behind a desk, being able to get out and see people, travel a little bit more than I wish, but that was part of it. But the travel afforded me the opportunity when I'm in Greenville to have the spare time to do FCA. So as soon as I agree to be this part-time interim area director, 
my season of discontent with my engineering career started. I can't explain it. I didn't like it, and it grew. And the longer it went, the more discontent it became. Finally, two, three and a half years ago, it took me 18 months of wrestling with the Lord because what I forgot to tell you was eight years, seven years ago, three years before that, I had been offered the very same job. But I had plenty of reasons not to, right? I had the, the, I had the great job. I have a daughter getting ready to go to college. Can't, can't work. This missionary thing is for somebody else. I felt I heard clearly from the Lord for the first time that you're supposed to do this. Now, my wife has been hearing these horror stories of the finances of FCA for 10 years now. She had no one, wasn't no part of it. And we agreed when we first got married 35 years ago that she would make all the small decisions and we would make all the large decisions. And we haven't made a large decision yet, right? You know, you know it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, because I just want to make her happy, you know, and so whatever you want, dear. But this was the first time. In fact, there was a situation when you go back to 1990 when we moved to Greenville when I wanted to take a job at a plant in Westminster, South Carolina, perfect, perfect a small plant engineering thing. Remember, I went to Clemson. I could live in Clemson. Man, that was heaven. You know, our daughter is a year old, and my wife and I argued about this. We were living in Augusta, Georgia at the time. We argued for a week. And I said, honey, don't you understand? I I'm, I'm, I'm hate the job that I've got. This is perfect. Remember, this is before I become one that understands that I have to know Jesus for myself. And she won the argument because finally after three or four go-arounds, she said, well, I've prayed about this. It's just not right. I had no answer, right? I hadn't prayed. I hadn't prayed. I'm an engineer. We don't pray. We calculate, you know, and it, it was all working out. One month later, I had a, a classified ad from my mom for the job that I had for 22 years before I came on staff with FCA. One year later, the plan I would have taken the job at closed the Lord was looking out for me even when I wasn't looking out for myself. So my wife has this theme because then we agreed that, well, when the guy's going to talk to us, he's still going to talk to her right first. And she says, I'm not ready to go. So I don't recommend this, but and I don't even remember what day it was. It was a Monday morning. I walked into my office at Cryvac over in Duncan, and I knew the day had come. I couldn't, I couldn't be disobedient another day. I typed up my resignation letter. Remember, my wife and I still have not agreed that this is the direction that we are going but I was sure it was the direction that I was going and she was supposed to go with me. I typed up my letter of resignation. I called her on the phone. I said, honey, I'm going to resign. I just wanted you to know before I did it. Well, got a great response, right? Nothing. She said, uh, okay, click. She sent me a text message. It was really brief. It said, I love you. I'm with you. And I'm scared to death. And then she didn't talk to me for a week. Um, one week later, we talked again, and, and she came around, and she, we had another conversation that didn't go very well. She's been deep into Scripture this whole week, and she walks around the block, and she comes back and said, okay, I'm ready. Let's go. And it's been great ever since, which, by the way, she works not for me, with me. She was already on staff as the part-time administrative person for my predecessor because I would not, we would not have made that, that thing happen. So it's been wonderful, right? We were getting ready to be empty nesters, and now she sees me more than she wishes she did. Um, so... So I become, I come on staff, and what I find out is FCA now opened up a whole new world because it's this opportunity to bring Jesus. You know, my whole responsibility is to go to the gym and the ball field and watch young athletes get what I never got, is that God has a plan for your life that's bigger than this sport. And for the coach, it's coach. God has a plan for your life that's bigger than your one-loss record. 
Because in my experience, coaches coach in one of three perspectives. There's the coach that's a transactional coach that coaches based on performance. And look, coaches is an acronym. You know, we all deal with it. We, sometimes we struggle. I struggle with that in leading people in FCA. It's how we treat other people where we were trying to get them to do things for us. The perspective of transactional today, the coach coaches for today. If you're, if you're performing, you play. If you're not, you're on the bench. I'm moving on to the next guy that can make the play. Then there's the coach, which the majority of them are, that coaches for this lifetime. They recognize that sports is a great tool to teach life lessons. And many, many coaches do that. But far too few recognize the third dimension, the third perspective, that they've been given those athletes for this season by God. What are they going to do with them to honor him? And that's what FCA tries to do to get that across is, is, Coach, you've got these kids here for this season to make an eternal impact. It's bigger than wins and losses. Let us help you. Let us help show you how, give you confidence, equip you, and do that. So, so at FCA, that's sort of my story of, of how I started just wanting to do volunteer men's ministry in my church, and somehow I ended up being a full-time missionary on part-time pay. Right? And people say, well, you retired and became, you know, went on staff at the FCA. He said, no, I know I look that old, but I'm not that old yet. Right? I've got a number of years, I hope, um, before the Lord calls me home or I retire one or the other. But I wake up every morning excited to do what I do because I've found my purpose. And that's what I'm going to ask you guys today is, is what's your purpose, right? Have you found that thing that you would do even if you weren't getting paid? The way to serve the Lord, even when you're not getting paid, whether it's changing diapers or whatever. Maybe you can go out on the, on the park bench. You've got to be pretty dedicated to want to change diapers for the Lord, I think. Um, I'm not looking forward to it. We have two kids, no grandkids um, yet, and so I'm, I'm out of the diaper changing mode for a while. But that's our challenge, right? Is, is for me, FCA was that vehicle that married my passion and gave me purpose. And when it does that, it fuels, it's the whole reason for why I do what I do. So I want to show you a little bit more about FCA with the hopes that maybe if it's not FCA, it's something else. But if it is FCA, then talk to me because the opportunity is immense. Our FCA. We have a passion to see the world transformed by Jesus Christ through the influence of coaches and athletes. We are called to lead every coach and athlete into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and His Church. We will continue to live our values, integrity, serving, teamwork, excellence. We pursue our vision and mission through a strategy. We are FCA. We have a passion to see the world transformed by Jesus Christ through the influence of coaches and athletes. We are called to lead every coach and athlete into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and His Church. We will continue to live our values, integrity, serving, teamwork, excellence. We pursue our vision and mission through a strategy of to and through the coach. Ministry first to coaches' hearts, marriages, and families, and then through coaches to their fellow coaches, teams, and athlete leaders. With a God-sized vision, a motivating mission, solid values, and a clear strategy, we are ready 
ready to go. In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus said, go, go make disciples. As we serve coaches and athletes, we execute our strategy through our ministry methods in order to make disciples. Engage, equip, empower. Engage. We engage relationally by connecting with individuals and through events building genuine trust, sharing our lives and the gospel. Equip. We equip leaders through training, resources, and ongoing support in what it means to be a follower of Christ, growing in God's Word and applying it to life. Empower. We empower faithful leaders who desire to use their time, talents, and treasures to help other coaches and athletes experience the gospel, grow in their faith, and share him with others. E3. Engage, equip, empower. We are FCA. Let's go fulfill the vision. Let's go make disciples. Ready, set, go. So FCA in a nutshell is one of many tools that we hope the church will be inspired to use to take the gospel of Jesus Christ into the sport world so that we can get the sport world back into the church. We have no desire to be the church. Roger touched on it. We can do a little bit of discipleship at the practice field or in the gym or the locker room, but real growth is going to happen in the body of, of the church. But FCA is one of many tools to be a bridge so, it's so that people in the church can use FCA as a tool to go into the schools, into the communities um, where sports are happening. And it's a ready-made infrastructure of sport to be able to get there. This is the way FCA is organized. We'll go through this really quickly. We've got 13 regions um, in the United States. Uh, what I'd, I'm not going to show you, we've got a slide, is every one of those regions is aligned with an international region of the world. Um, we were 11 of, at the time, there were 12 regions. We were 11th out of 12 regions, and they assigned, they drew the regions in numerical order. Um, and the region that we drew was the Middle East and Northern Africa. Uh, so that's our alliance. We've got a lot of, of partnerships. Uh, it's not called FCA in a lot of places. Every country but Israel is closed. Um, for the, Egypt is somewhat open, but most of the countries that we have are closed. So we do a lot of our um, partnership through cr Christians that are underground there and with prayer at this point, trying to bring them here to equip them. Uh, but those 12 regions were in the Carolinas region. And then in the upstate, uh, the multi-year, this is what I have responsibility for, uh, 11 counties, 1.5 million people. Um, great opportunity. Uh, I think 160-something high schools that we've got in there, and I've, I haven't memorized the number of middle schools yet. So here again, the vision, mission, the values. Um, one of the neat things that happened just recently with the leadership team, the vision hasn't changed very much in a number of years, but it changed by one, one word that is incredibly impactful. The vision for FCA used to be to see the world transform for Jesus Christ through the influence of coaches and athletes. You see what word we changed? See, they, yeah, it's no, we're not doing it for Christ. He's doing it through us. And that was a very subtle change in semantics that's extraordinarily powerful in practice because it's not us that does the changing of any, of any single heart. The mission got 
incredibly more simple. It used to be about three paragraphs that I memorized at one time, and once I got through reciting it, I couldn't explain it to anybody. Um, to lead every coach and athlete into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and his church. To me, the, two, the three key, key concepts, every coach and athlete knows Jesus in the context of the church. Right? That's, that's our mission. Uh, and then our values, kind of what we're about, integrity, serving, teamwork, and excellence. Um, the strategy to and through the coach, uh, that has created some pushback because FCA is widely known as a student ministry, and it's every bit of that. Our response when people say, well, you're not focused on kids anymore, you're just doing coaches. No, we care so much about every athlete, we want to make sure every coach is a believer. So we're going to start there and work our way down because the coach is the gatekeeper. I'll tell you a quick story. Four years ago, I got invited on the campus of Southside High School uh, to work with, with a, a brand new coach on the staff there. He wasn't the head coach. I knew the head coach from a previous school, and they talked about doing FCA with their football team. And this head coach is a churchgoer, some. Um, he would tell you that he's Christian, but I don't think he was following Jesus, and I'm really not sure he is today. But I'll tell you the transformation that's happened from this ministry of present was, was four years ago, we began to do devotions, and, and, and ironically enough, one of the kids that led devotions was the coach's son who was the quarterback of the team. I went and did a devotion and asked them if any of them would stand up for Jesus, would they do that? And seven guys stood up. It was the seven captains, senior captains that stood up. And we had small group time in, at McDonald's on Tuesday afternoon next to the high school, and they went and did devotions for their team on Wednesdays. Three of those guys are playing college football right now. Right? incredibly impactful to be able to influence the leaders of a team to be able to step forward. Now, they're not perfect, and they're pretty immature in their faith, but they're trying. This coach, four years ago, I said, Coach, this summer we got this thing called Coaches Camp, and even better, at the code, we've got a, co a couple's retreat. You want to take your wife and go up there for the treat? He said, they got ESPN. I said, no, Coach, they don't. No, nah, we're not going. I said, okay. Time went on three, two years, three years. In the interim, they tragically lost a daughter to a traffic, a one-car traffic accident who was at USC Upstate. Um, we were able to walk beside him through that. This past summer, again, this coach would make an, a, a sailor blush with his language. He coaches old school, but his heart's as big as this room. Last summer, he and his wife went to the couple's retreat. She had a blast. He had a pretty good time and is going back. During the retreat, he asked me for a coach's Bible, and two weeks later, he got a bus and carried 25 young men to Black Mountain, dropped them off on Friday, drove the bus back to Greenville, came back on Sunday to pick them up. That's the power of a coach. The coach is the gatekeeper, which is why we focus on that the attitude. This coach is not perfect, but he's trying, okay? And we're not there to tell him where he's wrong. He knows, all right? We're there to tell him where he's right. And to reassure him that God has given him this team for something bigger than football. He's also a pretty good prognosticator because he changed schools. And this past Friday, I went there and did the devotion for the pregame meal. And he said, we're going to get beat 50 to nothing. And it was an away game, so I didn't travel with them. And I looked at the score on the evening news, and guess what the score was? 50 to nothing. Um, so he's got, a, he's got some work to do at his new school. He's kind of wishing he didn't leave the, the pastor he was in. Billy Graham said that a coach would impact more people in one year than most people will in a lifetime. And you just think about the coaches that you've known in your life, the impact that they have. My favorite story for my favorite coach, he just turned 90 years old. He coached me in 9- and 10-year-old church league basketball. 
which was the reason I, cho- I chose to coach church league basketball. He never talked about winning, ever. We won two championships in two years. His favorite story for me, and this is what I remember him for, was triple overtime in the championship game. I'm 10 years old. I think I was me that dribbled off his foot, which was not unusual because I was tall and gang- for my age then and gangly, and I didn't handle the ball. So if I got the ball, chances were I dribbled off my foot because I got two points a game. That's what I got. I mean, that's my whole career was two points a game. And we come over there, and this is where our, our story is different. He says I was crying. Um, I was I wasn't crying, man. I was just, I was intense, right? It was something in my eye. Um, but, but he looks up there, you know, there, there's, there's 25 seconds to go in the game. It's tied in triple overtime. He doesn't give a strategy. He said, man, look, look, this is great. He said, this is the game. Y'all go play. That's what I remember. And I remember a ton of the fundamentals, but I remember that. What I found out 20 years later was he's in the Furman Hall of Fame as a basketball player. He was all-conference three years, captain of the team. That never came up. He looked like Mr. Rogers. He coached in hush puppies in a cardigan sweater. You know, he was 35 years old, I think, when I do the math now. He, feel, he felt to me like he was 90 years old then. But I remember that story now, 40 years later, 45 years later. That's the power of a coach. So here's what got the division that has really expanded. For all these years, for 65, 66 years, FCA's been around. Um, we started with camps. We evolved in the 1960s to being strong on campus. And we were really content with having one group on a campus at a time. Our new vision is to have one huddle. And you see it in there, a huddle is a group of coaches, athletes, or others that gather together to open God's word, pray, or otherwise seek to grow spiritually. That's our small group. We call it a huddle, right? For those of us that are older, we remember when football teams used to huddle. Every other team huddles. And the significance of the huddle is, I think, three things. When you huddle up, you do it for three things. First and foremost, you do it for instructions. And the other two are somewhat interrelated and may or may not happen, right? But the purpose of a huddle in athletics is instruction, encouragement, and accountability. That's what it's all about. So we do this. So we've gone from a vision for having one huddle per school to one huddle per team. Now, think for a second what that means. First of all, we're going to draw our boundaries based on school zones, but everything within there um, is covered. So the recreation department, the church league, everything else. And this is what the mission field looks like in Greenville County. 18 high schools, 14 public, four charter, 20 middle schools, three universities, private Christian schools, I can't even count them all, recreation leagues, travel leagues. We estimate there are at least 50,000 coaches and athletes in Greenville County playing sports, 50,000. Think about it. You've got it. You've probably got several hundred in this church. Um, over 10,000 are in public schools, but the key here is more is happening off campus now in sports than on campus, which is not the way it was 50 years ago. The impact right now, we're at 13 of 18 of the high schools. Um, three of 20, we're just starting on middle school ministry this year, two universities, uh, and we've got entry, We've got a full-time person that's just coming on back on staff at Furman. Uh, North Greenville pays for a full-time person that does FCA, but he, do, he works for the university, not directly for us. And then uh, we've got one, one Christian school, and then we've got five travel softball teams that are FCA teams that are recruited that way that are intentional about uh, growing faith through there. So if you look at that, if you look over there to the right, the opportunity, this is where we'll get into the need. 
How are we going to reach them? We're going to shrink to grow. For all these years, there's been one of me in 50 schools. Now, I, I try to drive a lot, but I, I can't, you can't build relationships. So the new strategy is, is have one area director for every 15 high schools. We fit that in Greenville County. To have one male and one female area representative, because again, over 50% of the athletes now are girls. For every four to six high schools. For Greenville County, what that means is one area director, six area representatives, two collegiate campus reps focused on Furman, and, and they coordinate the ministry at North Greenville and Bob Jones. And Bob Jones is starting to talk about FCA. The athletic director is an FCA proponent. The board of directors, not so much. So we'll see how far, how quick that, that moves. Northeast Greenville County, this is the way we've got it divided up strategically to try to go deeper in all these areas. One of the things that I knew growing up is that, you know, when I went to Eastside, if you, if you lived in Traveler's Rest, you didn't care what was happening in Malden, right? And Malden certainly doesn't care what's happening in Greer except on Friday night. So we've got this. This is the, the alignment. We've got the northeast area, the northwest, which includes downtown. So if you draw I-85 east and west, we split the north up into two pieces, and then everything in the golden strip down below. Huge opportunity. Six new staff people. Um, that's our vision for how we're going to cover and go deeper. Because, again, the staff person is not going to be content with just the high school or just the high school and the middle school, but it's every team that resides there, every club team, every travel team, the recreation department. Think of the opportunity. Because there is no legal restriction about what a layperson can do in community sports. And it all should be voluntary, right? Because our, our decision to follow Christ is voluntary. So you can, you can be effective without forcing it to happen. One of the neat things that happened in North Greenville was they, they have chapel on Monday, Wednesday, Friday or Mondays and Wednesdays, I believe, and the Friday chapel was mandatory for athletes only. When they hired the first staff person three years, four years ago, they did away with mandatory chapel except for every third week, fourth week for the athletes, and they developed the huddle model on the teams, and the participation has gone way up. So, so the small group thing really works, not so much herding people into an auditorium and having them listen to boring people like me. The methods, again, that we did to engage, equip, and empower, um, it's a discipleship thing. Engaging in, in events, um, equip them by giving them the basic tools, and then empower them to send them back out because we can't hire enough staff people to reach 500,000 people in Greenville County. But there are enough Christian believers in Greenville County that are in sports to make that happen. And again, really quickly, this is, this is kind of a summary of what we do, engage, equip, empower. Um, with the theme verse that we have, to cultivate relationships. And this is where we need you guys. One, to pray for our ministry daily. Two, to serve. You ask, well, how can I serve? Here's, here's something I'm excited about to roll out, some really tangible ways to serve FCA. Um, serving opportunities, the leadership board where Roger's gotten involved, where I got plugged in. Um, a character coach, which is where I started for a team. Again, it can be any team, the team that you coach. If you coach your children, your grandchildren, any team that's there. Um, come alongside to, to, to lead them uh, in what they do. Lead a coach's huddle. Coach's huddle doesn't always have to be Bible study. Sometimes it can be 15 minutes of, of biblical encouragement. We have a coach's Bible. I didn't bring one. Rogers got one. In fact, we were blessed by one of our board members last, fall, uh, last spring who went out and raised the money. We've got a, a, an FCA coach's Bible available for every public school coach in Greenville County. 
1,100 Bibles I've got sitting there trying to, to figure out the best way to relationally get those in the hands of coaches, not drop a box off in the athletic director's office, but have the kids give them to their coach, have the parents give them to their coach, give them in a context of where we, and challenge them to read scripture for 30 days and see if it makes a difference, because I'm sure they will. But a coach's huddle is sometimes just being there for the coach when you don't have any strings attached. You cannot overestimate the impact of showing up when you don't have to. People appreciate it. Coaches especially, because usually the coach gets called when my child's not playing, you know, my child's iPhone got stolen because they left it plugged in in the cafeteria, which is your fault. You know, it, those are the calls that coaches get. Or they didn't, you know, they obviously called the wrong plays. We all know that. And then one of the things that's coming up is we're working on, you know, you can be a general support volunteer, but a campus coach, I'm trying to, to put together, uh, adopt a model that's been uh, successfully rolled out in Florida for church adoption of schools to where the church takes a lead to work with FCA to staff on a volunteer basis the support network for a school. And key to that is the, the campus coach that could be a church staff person. It could be a person like you or me that's going to be that liaison between the FCA staff person and the teacher or the coach that's the whole sponsor legally on the campus because they are severely limited in what they can say during school hours. So most of them um, aren't as effective as they could be. And finally, you know, financial support is needed. You know, one of the things that, that again, that's, that's most intimidating about this, this is missionary work. It's just not as sexy as going to Africa, but it's way more comfortable. Um, but we do. 100% of the, of the funding for FCA comes from the local community. In fact, 110% because we pay for the HR and the uh, administrative services in our home office in Kansas City, we contribute half of their budget out of the field budget for them to be able to give us the tremendous amount of support, support that they do. So staff and resources equals this transformational life change through Christ. And, and I would just invite you to um, pray about it. Um, what's your purpose? What's your passion? What's that thing? I think there's some table questions on there. Um, I don't know where Tom is. If We'll turn it back over. Um, if there's any special instructions for table time, and then we'll take, I'll take some questions at the end, but give you guys some time to talk about your passion. I hope I left you enough time. Um, to, yeah, talk, talk about, you know, what is it that you would do if nobody was going to pay you for it, right? What is it you can't give up? What is it that you sneak out of the house to do? Now, be careful about that one. Um, but, but, but seriously, you know, it was, you know, I was playing church league basketball, men's basketball, until I was 40 years old. My body gave out. I can still shoot better than any of these young guys, but it doesn't matter if you can't get open. You know, and, and I'll, I'll close with this. You know, be careful. Uh, there's two things. One related to the basketball was I had a, um, a friend who, by the time we were in our mid-30s, his wife gave him a shirt. It said, now, this guy had gone to Clemson at the same time as me, and we played against each other intramurals, and we played with each other in church, men's church league. And the shirt said, the older I get, the better I was. Right? So think about that for a second. The other thing I would warn you about was back in the middle of my story, you know, years ago, was I, when I first was challenged to lead a, a Sunday school class, we did this book called The Prayer of Jabez. Read that thing, and it's sort of like praying for patience, right? Be careful what you ask for, because you'll get tested. So I'll turn it back over to Tom. Okay, so go ahead. What a powerful message. If you are encouraged by this message, you can learn more about our men's ministry and other adult ministries at Brookwood by visiting brookwoodchurch.org forward slash adults. 
or on the Brookwood Church app. Thanks for listening and have a great week.